So, yesterday was the first day of hurricane season, so it's time for open confession. How many of you actually get ready this time of year for hurricanes? Okay, got a couple. All right. I mean, that's what they tell us we're supposed to do. All right. How many of you wait until you're certain that the hurricane's headed this way before you get ready? All right, that's what most of us do. And, and so I was just having a, a talk with Cindy Rounds about uh, hurricanes and tornadoes. Now, in Texas, we lived in what we call called Tornado Alley. If you've been keeping up with the news, all kinds of tornadoes through the central part of the country. Um, and, and so um, I don't like either hurricanes or tornadoes. But here's the thing about tornadoes. You don't have time to prepare. You always have to be ready. Um, and, and when they come, it is... Uh, incredibly terrifying. Um, hurricanes obviously have a much broader scope of damage that they do, um, but in, I know I've seen communities completely gone from tornadoes. It's just, and I know hurricanes can do that as well, as we saw over in the Panhandle. Um, but anyway, so all of that is to say that that when you grow up around tornadoes, you know that it could happen any day, and you're always ready. And, and so we're going to talk about this, this uh, January when I talked about the coming year. One of the things I said is I wanted to find a group of people to teach and talk to about how to connect to people who aren't believers. And what I want to do is I want to start that as a whole group. And maybe from this group we'll find a small group of people to work with. But I think it's like being in, the, in Tornado Alley. You always have to be ready. I think when it comes to talking to people about Christ, we always have to be ready. We always have to be prepared. It's not something we see coming in the distance. It's something that just shows up. And so what I want to do in, the next, uh, in this series is I want to, to give you some basic tools and helpful things as you interact with people who are not believers on ways to talk to them about faith and what that looks like and how we can open those doors and have those conversations and, and what that looks like. Okay. Now, let me start up front and say that we live in a time when it's really hard because people are open to discussions, but we live in a time that is so politically correct that if you tell someone that you follow Jesus, it's instantly assumed that you hate everything about that person, right? And that's so hopefully. For some, that may be true, but for most of us, that's far, far from the truth. And, it, and it's like, you can't love me because you follow Jesus, because you believe things that are contrary to me. I have a quote here from Rick Warren, and I think will help us out on this. And um, he, he said something very important. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And, and so I want you to hear me say that as, as we go through this journey. I am not encouraging you to compromise your belief system at all. But, but understand that the world is, in many cases, not receptive to the gospel because the gospel is offensive in that it assumes that there's something wrong with you that needs to be changed. Well, the truth is, is that's right. There's something wrong with me that only God can fix. When I am not a follower of Jesus, it, it is something that only God could do. And so, though that may be offensive... Please, the society is going to confront us and say, well, you just hate me or hate my kind or hate... No, it's because I love you. 
because God loves you. All right? So we have that as a background. And so we're going to start today in getting some help with Jesus. So here in the middle of, of Jesus' life story in Matthew, uh, he uh, talks to the disciples. So in Matthew chapter 9, and he talks to them about this idea of connecting people and reaching people. Incredibly valuable as we begin this journey. So we are in Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, page 974 for using the Pew Bible. Matthew 9, 35 through 38, page 974. So Jesus had gone back to where he was living in Capernaum, and he was going to different communities near there. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. All right, I just want to go through this, uh, starting with verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That word compassion is incredibly powerful. And really what it means literally is that Jesus felt disdain or hurt. He felt an incredible hurt for people down to his bowels, right? That was, a, that was a Hebraic idea, that down to the very deepest part of him, his heart was breaking for people. He looked at them, and his heart broke for them. And it goes on, and it says, because they were harassed and helpless. Uh, the words harassed and helpless really can mean troubled and rejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we talk some about sheep, but sheep without a shepherd are hopeless and dead. They're not going to make it. And so what, what the Scripture says, what Matthew wrote, is that, that Jesus looked at the crowds. He saw them as hopeless and helpless with no direction, with no guidance, not knowing where to go. And they were outcast in their culture, and his heart broke for them. Down to the deepest core of who he was, his heart broke for them, and it caused great pain. You see, when we talk about connecting people to Christ, I think we have to start with this idea and this question. When was the last time your heart was broken because someone is going to spend their eternity separated from God? I mean, that's what Jesus talked about. Those who aren't right with him, they end up in a place we call hell that Jesus described as outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, separated from God? When was the last time that bothered you? When was the last time it hurt you to the very core of your being? Jesus' heart was broken because that's what he saw. He saw the people. And I think we have to rediscover this idea and this understanding that it really should bother us when people don't know Christ. Not because of their lifestyle, not because of the decisions they're making, but because they're making an eternally bad choice. It really should bother us. It really should matter. Now, I want you to imagine that you fed your family, and uh, an hour after dinner, everyone got incredibly sick. Right? Not because of your cooking, but, but man, everybody just felt 
horrible, won't go into details of everything they were going through. If you've had food poisoning, you know what that means. Right? So, throughout the sickness, you, you begin to look on, on your phone on, online to find out, and you find, oh, there's a recall for the broccoli. And everybody that's eating the broccoli is getting sick. So it all oh, makes sense now. Everybody ate the broccoli, whatever the food was. Everybody ate the broccoli, and so uh, we got to get rid of that stuff. Well, in the process of getting well, you leave it in the refrigerator and forget about it. Someone comes over to your house that has refrigerator rights. They open the door, they see the broccoli, and say, oh, man, I want some broccoli. Words never, ever said in the history of mankind. But I want some broccoli. And so they take the broccoli out and they put it in the microwave. And you walk in and they're getting ready to take a bite of the broccoli. What do you do? Don't, no, 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 don't eat that. Unless it's a relative you don't like. No, 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 don't eat that. It's going to make you horribly sick. And why is that? Because we don't want them to go through the suffering we went through. Hear me in the spiritual truth. We have spiritual answers. We have the spiritual answer. We have the truth. And we are surrounded by people who are destined for an eternity in outer darkness where they're weeping and gnashing of teeth. And doggone it, it should matter again. It should matter. We should hurt down to the very core of our beings. Our hearts should be ripped out. Now, hear me when I say this. I am not encouraging us to scare people into heaven because that doesn't work. But today I'm trying to scare you into caring because it matters. It's a big deal. It's an eternal deal. So I just want to start that we would encourage you to have a heart like Jesus to begin to see people the way he sees them. Every person that you pass on the street or at work or in your house that doesn't know Jesus is a person that is loved by God that needs a Savior. Every one of them. And until we rediscover that passion and rediscover that hurt for them, we've got a problem. And we need to see that and we need to understand that. That's where Jesus was. And we as his followers, that's where we need to start. This really needs to matter. And we need to rediscover that it, it matters. Okay, well, Jesus goes on. The story goes on. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Hear me say this. There are people all around us who need Jesus. They're at your work. They may be at your house. They, they may be at your school. They may be where you go to the restaurant. People you know don't know Christ. You say, how do I know that? I just want to share some statistics with you that I found this week. There are so many people who don't know Christ. Okay? So, here you go. There are approximately 7.3 billion people on the planet. Okay? Big number. Right? Of those 7.3 billion, 2.2 billion claim to be Christian. Okay, now... When I say claim to be Christian, if you were to ask them, they fall under the Christian umbrella. They may actually be a part of a group that teaches something that's not true, but considers themselves Christian. Or they may be people who were raised Christian and have, don't know anything about Jesus, but they are, call themselves Christian. 
We're including all of them, every one of them, and the number that is estimated is 2.2 billion out of 7.3 billion. So here's what that means. That means that 28% of the population claims to be Christian. All right, we hear that, well, that's a good number, 2.2 billion. But here's what that means. That means that 72% of the population is not. Which, for a number, would be 5.1 billion people. So you hear those numbers and you think, well, most of those are in Asia or in Middle East or in Africa, and so they're not here. Okay, well, we'll bring the numbers a little closer to home. How about that? The fastest-growing religious belief system in the United States are the nuns. Not the Catholic kind, but the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Don't believe in anything. And they'll tell you, I don't believe in anything. I don't have any religious belief. I don't believe in God. I don't follow anything. I have no, that's the fastest-growing religious group in our country. Staggering numbers for you. In 1950, 2% of the population were nuns. That factors in the halo effect. People will say they're better than they are, they'll lie, whatever. 2% of the population were nuns, 1950. Population then was 150 million, uh, which means there were 3 million nuns. 2018, 22% of the population is nuns. And a population of 327 million in the United States. 24% of our country are nuns, okay? That doesn't count the people who are a Buddhist or Hindu or Sikh or Muslim. That's just the nuns. And you say, okay, that's in Seattle. That's in the Northeast. Well, let's talk about Florida. In Florida, 24% of the population are nuns. The population of Florida is 22 million which means that 5.2 million people in our state are nuns. Now, here's the most staggering statistic of all of this for me, is that 20% of those people who don't follow Christ say they don't know a Christian. They've never met a Christian. 20%. Now, here's the deal. I don't believe that's true at all. I believe they know a Christian but the Christian hasn't told them they're a Christian. The numbers are staggering. Right? And so, please hear me. The harvest, it's there. There are people all around us. And one of the things I want to challenge you to today is, is I want you to process your life and process who is around you. And, and I want you to begin to pray, God, show me. Show me the people who need you, all right? And, and, and please don't hear me. I'm not talking about making people a pro- project. I'm talking about telling pe- people the greatest news in the history of humanity. The numbers are staggering. And so I guarantee you, if you were to walk down the street in downtown, if anybody was down there, if you were to walk down the street somewhere or at the town center, you would pass a whole lot of people who don't know Christ. Just happened. And if you go to work, you work every day. You pass them there too. It's a real thing. And again, our hearts need to break over it. And we need to realize there are so many people.
Well, the last thing that Jesus said then, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I think it's very, very important for us to understand and to realize and to admit that the Great Commission to go and tell the world that as you go, you tell people, is a commission for all of us. It's not just for the paid Christians. We paid Christians, we, we try hard, right? But it's really a command for all of us. Every one of us. And Jesus said, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers. Because there's so many people that need the truth. There's so many people that, that need to understand what's going on. There's so many people that, that need to have this information given to them. Stand up and be a worker. Now, if you've been around any length of time, you know that I love Oreos. Back in the 1990s, I received a phone call from my sweet mother-in-law. And she said, Doug, have you heard about the chocolate-covered Oreos? I was like, no, I haven't. She said, you need to try them. So I went to the store, as any Oreo lover would do, and I tried them. And they were amazing. And the truth was, I was so excited about the Oreos that there was a group of people I had to call and tell. Listen, I know you're an Oreo lover. you got to try this. See people on the street, listen, I know you don't know me, but have you tried the chocolate-covered Oreos? <laughs> they are fantastic. Right? And I know now they have all these different flavors of Oreos, and that's fine, but, but man, this was a big deal back then. And, and I think about that, and I think about how unashamedly we talk about things. We talk about Oreos. Football season comes, man, we talk about our teams. Our favorite actor makes a movie. We, we talk about how excited we are about that movie. Strangers on the street will say, oh, man, you got to go see this movie. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, that's a problem for us. And I think there's several fears. I think the first fear in our culture, we're afraid we're going to offend. And I think the second fear we have is they're going to ask me questions I don't have any idea how to answer. I need you to hear this. We have so many Christian leaders working so hard to answer all the questions that now they've begun to turn on each other because they're not answering the questions right. I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon, a Baptist preacher back in the 1800s in London, well known for his great preaching, but he had this quote back towards the end of his ministry. And he said this, he said, a great many learned men are defending the gospel. No doubt it's a very proper and right thing to do, Yet I always notice that when there are so many books of that kind, it is because the gospel itself is not being preached. Suppose a number of persons were to take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion, a full-grown king of beasts, 
There he is in the cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I should suggest to them that if they would not object and feel that it was humbling to them, that they should kindly stand back and open, open the door and let the lion out. I believe that would be the, the best way of defending him, for he would take care of himself. And the best apology or defense for the gospel is to let the gospel out. And I share that quote with you because we don't have to know the answers to the questions. We just have to know Jesus' story. You know, your question's fair, and I don't understand it, and I don't have an answer for you, but here's what I know. Jesus changed my life. And this is truth you can't take away from me. You know, your, your question, that's, that's a tough question, and it's a fair question. And, and for some of us, we need to answer those questions, and I get that. But if you don't have the answer, it's okay. Because the truth of the gospel changes lives. And it's God through the Holy Spirit that does that. It's not us. It's not our incredibly wonderful answers. It's God doing that. And I think it's very essential in this, in just in this whole equation here to understand how important this is, to have a heart for it again, to realize the need, and to realize that we have the one tool we have to have. And that's the message of Jesus. The rest is up to him. You know, all those people that I called and told about Oreos, I couldn't make one of them go to the store. I could have said, you know, that just doesn't sound good to me. I'm not interested. I said, well, that's crazy. But I couldn't make them go buy them. And the gospel's the same way. I have this incredible truth to share with you. I can't make you accept it. You know, I've met people who look at me in the eye and say, you know what? I know what you're saying, but I don't want it. I'm just not interested. I'll take my chances. Man, it's those moments that I think I know what Jesus felt in Matthew. It's so heartbreaking. But the truth is, I'm just a conduit. Paul wrote this, and we'll wrap it up with this. He said this, How then, in, in Romans 10, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are the stewards of this incredible message. We're the ones that have the information. And so this week, I am not challenging you to tell anyone about Jesus. This week, we're going to start way before that. Right now, I hope and I pray that God is imprinting someone's face on your brain of someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus, of someone in your life that needs to hear this great story. And if that hasn't happened, the first thing you need to pray is that, God, please make me aware of someone in my life who needs Jesus. Make me aware of the right one. And this week, I just want you to pray for that person. Pray that God would transform their lives. Pray that God would do something to make them open to the truth of the gospel. Pray that God would draw them to himself and make their hearts ready 
and then pray for yourself that you'll be willing when the time is right. And if you're hearing this as a follower of Jesus and you're saying, well, I'm just really not interested in that, then your prayer needs to be, Lord, please help me to see people the way you see them. It'll turn your life upside down. So today the challenge is very simple. Pray. Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. That's it. Now, I'm gonna, if someone comes up to you and says, hey, I know you know about Jesus, would you tell me about it? You say, no, the pastor said I'm not supposed to do that this week. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? But I'm saying if this is not a normal part of your journey, just start with prayer. And let's just see what God does. Pray with me. 